Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Chocolate Puma Podcast. It is I, your boy, the Chocolate Puma, back giving you what my loyal tens of listeners have been craving. If you would like to email the show, you can email me at thepumapod at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where I, oh boy, I've made some people angry this weekend. I will get into that later. But if you want to follow me and join in on the rambunctiousness, uh, you can follow me at btomp20, B-T-H-O-M-P-20. Um, before I get into my wild and wacky weekend, apparently, on the Twitters, um, I'll just dive into it. Just a couple of little topics here. Uh, first off, uh, you got uh, Condoleezza Rice. Oh boy, she's back in the news. Um, Condoleezza Rice, or as the fine brothers over at uh, Very Smart Brothers put it, uh, the executive producer of the Bush administration's Black Lady Shit Show. Uh, <laughs> this, oh god damn it. Uh, it it's infuriating. Uh, so, she goes on to The View, and she's talking about critical race theory. And boy, oh boy, she gives a master class in how if you say what they want you to say, you'll keep getting, you know, getting basically, you'll, you'll keep succeeding, um, I guess, using their standards for success. So what Condoleezza Rice says is one of the worries that I have about the way that we're talking talking about race is that it either seems so big that somehow white people have to feel guilty for what happened in the past Um, and then she goes on to add I would like black kids to be completely empowered to know that they are beautiful in their blackness but in order to do that I don't have to make white kids feel bad for being white Nobody is making white children feel bad for being white, for teaching about the history of what this country has done historically to black people. First of all, critical race theory isn't even taught in K through 12 schools. It is a college level course. But moving on from that though, Condoleezza Rice was a pretty high-ranking official at Stanford University, which leads me to believe that she possibly suppressed academic curriculums that maybe delved into, uh, you know, racial issues um, of this country. Like, this is absolutely asinine that in the year of our Lord, 2021, We have, most insultingly to me, a black person who grew up in Birmingham who actually knew one of the little girls who was killed in the church bombing um, in Birmingham there uh, to pretend like race, the history of race, isn't something that needs to be taught because it'll make white children feel bad. You know, fuck the feelings of the black children. No, no, no. Fuck those kids. We can't make the white children feel bad. It's... Oh, God. It just, like, drives me nuts. Um, Growing up, as most listeners may know, I was born in Mississippi. 
I spent my elementary school years uh, in the fine education system of uh, the state of Mississippi, ranked 47th, if I'm not mistaken, out of 50 states. Um, and we were taught Confederate history. I didn't go to school like a long time ago. Like this was 1994, 1995. And I'm learning about the Confederates. You know, luckily, you know, my mom is uh, very big on history. Like, she, you know, she taught, told us about, you know, her own personal experience growing up with, during segregation. Um, you know, how most of her educational life, she went to schools separate from white people. Um, there was the, the local high school, and she had to go to the next town over just to go to high school. Um... So I, I already knew, like, I had an idea. So we had to, like, basically, and this wasn't from my teachers or anything. This is from, you know, my mom and specifically my middle sister who wanted to be a teacher at the time. Um, she would read and read and read, and she basically just spread that knowledge to me and my twin sister. So a lot of what I know now didn't come from, <laughs> didn't come from the fine folks at the Mississippi Board of Education, I'll tell you that. Um, so, it did it make me feel bad? Uh, no, it didn't make me feel bad. It made me feel angry. Uh, I feel like if you're raising a moral child, <laughs> if they learn about what happened in the past and they feel bad, one, maybe they feel bad because they see some of the same things still happening, or two, they feel bad because maybe grandma and grandpa aren't as nice as, you know, they have been led to believe. You know, maybe your grandparents were a little bit racist, you know, because not everybody has the, you know, the, the sweet relative who, they, they were very nice to black people. Like, no, some of y'all got some racist-ass ancestors. It's okay. Like, our ancestors, you know, we love them. But they could be fucked up too, you know? I think I've said it on here numerous times. Like, you know, I've had older male relatives. I love them to death. They're homophobic. Like, it ain't right. <laughs> you know? So the idea that we have to put the feelings of... And it's, it's never even real children. It's never... You know, I got a letter from Timothy Smith from... Paducah, Kentucky, and he said that he learned that, you know, uh, I don't know, insert random black history fact where black people were mistreated made him feel bad. No, it's always these fictional children who may feel bad. Fictional white children's feelings matter to me, matter to these people more than the feelings of actual black children because the less we teach this the more it's going to happen and also history doesn't give a shit about your feelings like period it either happened or it didn't I, I just get so angry because I'm a very statistic driven person and ignoring history is it it's asinine 
It's asinine. If you tell your kid, if or if you teach children, white children, that a black newborn is three times more likely to die if they have a white doctor, or sending a child to a school in a majority black um, middle-class neighborhood is going to get less funding than the poorest majority white school, or knowing that a kid is six times more likely to be shot by a police officer, or knowing that your home is worth $48,000 more if it's in a majority white neighborhood, or uh, knowing that black women have to work 19 months to earn the yearly salary of a white man with the same education and experience. Um, it's supposed to make you feel bad. It's supposed to... It's supposed to awaken some kind of feeling in you. And to just ignore it is... Oh, God. It's infuriating. And I don't have these arguments or I don't have these conversations with these people because, you know, it just honestly goes back to the the whole, you know, we just have to love each other and blah, 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 and yeah, fuck that. We, yeah, we got to love each other. Sure. I'll give you that. But buddy, we also got to learn about what happened. And until we do that, same old, same old, just going to keep on happening. Um, I guess I'll just, I'll keep this happy train going along. Um, so last week, was it last week? It might've been last week. It might've been two weeks ago. I don't know. It's been going on forever. Um, Dave Chappelle and his latest series, The Close, this latest special, excuse me, The Closer, um, getting a lot of pushback from members of the LGBTQ community, rightfully so, uh, just from some of the clips I've seen. Uh, it's like he, he just won't let go. Like he's he's stuck on haranguing and I won't go as far as to call it harassing, but definitely disrespecting and um, just not acknowledging the humanity of members specifically of the trans community. Um, so... He put out a statement recently where he says, To the transgender community, I'm more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. First off, he's making himself out to be the victim with this statement. Trans people didn't say shit to Dave Chappelle. They told him that a bunch of the jokes that he made at their expense were harmful, how they were harmful, and, you know, his rebuttal was to double down and do three more specials on it, you know? Uh, he said, I'm not bending to anyone's demands. They aren't making demands. They just want you to recognize their humanity. Like, I don't... And he just put out a special last year, 846, where it's a beautiful, almost one-man show kind of piece um, where he talks about George Floyd and his death. And I was like, you can understand that the pain, the hurt that other people's actions can cause your community. But when it comes to trans people, they it's just jokes. They got to get over it. You know, he said, if you want to meet with me, I'm more than willing to. But I have some conditions. 
Uh, first of all, you cannot come if you've not watched my special from beginning to end. You can come to my to the place of you can come to a place of my choosing at a time of my choosing. And thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gadsby is not funny. Uh, first off, um, that that's wild. Uh, Hannah Gadsby didn't. Uh, Hannah Gadsby didn't do shit. Uh, she was she put out a statement, um, basically where she slammed. Uh, his obsession with the trans community and the reaction that uh, the Netflix CEO had um, where basically uh, if you were a trans employee of Netflix you basically got said they basically said screw you um, she said you didn't pay me nearly enough to deal with the real world consequences of the hate speech dog whistling you refused to acknowledge Ted fuck you and fuck your amoral algorithm cult okay so first off I will say this. I watched Nanette by Hannah Gadsby. I did not find it very funny. However, she's absolutely right here. And it just seems like a cheap swipe at her to um, to basically be like, oh, well, she's not funny. You got to admit that before I'll listen to your very real concerns. Like, the danger that trans people are constantly in uh, be it actual physical danger, uh, legal danger, um, it's it's not a laughing matter to just be to pretend like this is just cancel culture and you're the one that is being um, that you're being I don't know what the word I'm looking for persecuted I guess um, yeah so. He, uh, this idea that they have to come to him on his terms is wild, though. Like, imagine somebody getting up on stage, white guy, just, let's just make up a comedian, um, you know, Chad Chattington gets up on stage and he cracks a bunch of jokes about, you know, black fathers not being around and black women being welfare queens and you know dropping in bombs and you know black people would be rightfully upset and I'm willing to bet Dave Chappelle would not be defending his right to free speech um, it's it's so disappointing to see Dave take this turn you know maybe this is who he's always been Maybe his success has insulated him to such a small circle that, you know, he doesn't know any trans people um, other than the, the trans young woman that he mentions in the special, which very cheap move to me. You're getting, in, you're getting um, criticized by the trans community and you throw out like, well, I had a trans friend and, you know, she died and like you're using your your dead friend for cover. It was, it was despicable to me, honestly. Um, but, you know, I digress. Um, Dave seems to be obsessed with cancel culture when he keeps putting out specials. He keeps, every word he says keeps getting amplified and keeps getting coverage. So it's like, you're not canceled. Like, you are not canceled. There's no such thing for rich uh, rich people of his stature to be canceled. Period. Um, so, 
you know, hopefully this is the end of it. I would, it'll probably be the last time I talk about it because it really bums me out that somebody who is so good at the art of comedy is taking such a cheap, cheap route um, to slam people and then use his uh, position of power to basically try to uh, just silence them into submission. Um, yeah. But on a light note, speaking of making jokes, <laughs> this weekend I got into a little bit of trouble with, with a very passionate uh, segment of Twitter. Um, a segment I did not know existed. Um, so, uh, first off, uh, John Mulaney and Olivia Munn are announced that they are having a child together. Um, to give you just a, a brief overview, John Mulaney and his wife announced that they were uh, getting divorced. Shortly after, John Mulaney announced that he was dating Olivia Munn. Um, this was right on the heels of him getting out of rehab for substance abuse. Um, so a lot of big changes in the man's life. Um, well, yeah, uh, about a month ago, they announced they were having a baby and people have been like wildly just slamming John Mulaney and he's not funny and blah, blah, blah. And a couple of, a couple of days ago, someone on TikTok, uh, basically announced like, you know, Olivia Munn's friends don't see them being a couple in a year, adding if it was unclear that they'd be parenting their child together or apart. Um, some already said they'd already broken up. Um, people have taken sides of uh, John Mulaney's wife, um, making her a viral TikTok sensation. Um, but the big thing was I made the joke, like after seeing all of this, uh, being like, wow, um, white people are really mad at John Mulaney. I thought that was very funny because everybody I saw that was mad at John Mulaney was a white person. Ha ha, he he. Oh no, I was inundated with DMs and, and uh, mentions of, you know, how dare I and, you know, what about, you know, John Mulaney's wife and one lady in particular. I won't say her... I won't say her name, but she goes, I guess I just don't understand what that means. Are you saying that betraying a spouse is way cool in some cultures? Is that it? To which I replied, if you want to spend your Sunday defending people you don't even know, have at it, chief. I was just making a throwaway joke, uh, which I was. And I stand by it because of all the people, this is a statistical fact. I could put out a spreadsheet. Every person I have seen that is upset about this has been a white person. It's okay, white people. You can admit that you, you know, you're upset by a random former writer from, you know, Saturday Night Live. Black people are obs not obsessed, but, you know, we're very passionate about the show Insecure. Every culture has their thing. But this lady... I've like went and looked at her profile and she was going on for like four or five days about John Mulaney and Olivia Munn and I'm just like yo this is unhealthy please go outside 
seek some help. Karen, it's okay. John Mulaney can't hurt you anymore. Like, I want to hold up a doll and be like, you know, show me on the doll where John Mulaney and Olivia Munn's relationship hurts you. Like, seriously, folks. It's not that big a deal. Uh, this is not like, you know, Dave Chappelle. Like, <laughs> I know, I just gave, like, a passionate harangue about, like, people making jokes and not, uh, not accepting, like, how it could harm some people. Like, no, John Mulaney and Olivia Munn's relationship is not harming anybody other than John Mulaney, Olivia Munn, and John Mulaney's ex-wife. Like, that, that's it. Um, but, you know, apparently... I am public enemy number one. This is probably the third worst I've gotten it uh, since, let's see, there was the, the great Ben Roethlisberger incident uh, where he initially blocked me on my previous Twitter account. Um, and uh, when I call Sean King Martin Luther scheme, uh, that one, that was, a, that was a banner day in the old, uh, old B-Tomp household. So um, yeah, hopefully uh, the Mulaney Hive or the Olivia Munn hive. I don't know. They hate Olivia Munn. They hate John Mulaney. I don't know what to call this hive. So if you got any ideas, please help me out. Um, but that's all I got for right now. So uh, if, again, you want to follow the show, shoot me an email, pumapod at gmail.com. I'm uh, causing a ruckus on Twitter, at btop20. And until next week, take care of each other. Take care of your people. Love you peoples. And I'll see you then. Peace.